This podcast was created on Messy. Create your own show today at Messy.fm. This podcast has been brought to you by Black Women for Wellness. Black Women for Wellness is committed to the health and well-being of black women and girls through health education, empowerment, and advocacy. Located in the heart of Lamert Park Village, you can locate Black Women for Wellness online at www.bwwla.org, like our Black Women for Wellness Facebook page, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at BW4WLA and on Instagram at BWWLA. <laughs> Hi, everyone. This is Gloria Coulange with Black Wind for Wellness podcast. Uh, sad news. This is my last podcast, like hosting it. Um, but I'm excited to introduce Raina Granberry, who's going to take the lead on this one from now on. Hi, Raina. Hello. So exciting to be your uh, predecessor. You know, you have a lot to live up to. I know we've only done like three or four episodes. <laughs> Of this illustrious I know, but, you know, don't mess this up, Raina. I got it. All right. I know Raina will do a good job. So let's talk about what Raina does. Raina always brings up this quote, and I think that's where I want to start today. Do you want to go and tell us the quote and who said it, all the fun stuff? I do. So um, I do maternal and infant health. And advocacy, and I always go back to this one quote. I feel like it's just the best thing to think about for all women of reproductive age when they think about having babies or just anything like that. Midwife Debbie Allen from Tribe Midwifery has a quote where she says, black women should be planning their births in the way that we plan weddings. Mm. And I felt that in my soul. I mean, yeah, because how much time do we spend planning our weddings to, you know, I, mean, I got my wedding plan. I ain't got him. I don't even got a man, you know, exactly. it's like, <laughs> I, no, I, I mean, but that's, a, no, that's absolutely real. You know, you have people that be like, I'm just joking. I don't have my wedding plan my wedding dress since, since I was three years old. Right. And I mean, Cinderella. Exactly. No, but like no. to be real about it, like maybe not three, but sort of like, I really think a conversation about like reproductive health needs to start super young. I have a three-year-old daughter and I don't call it reproductive health, of course, but I already started the conversations about her body mm-hmm. and how she's in tr- control and for her to tell me what she feels. Yes. And I don't just like clean her. I'll be like, you know, try to show her herself or be like, your parts and look at this. I'll show her. Right. I, it's really to me like that is where you start that mm-hmm. level of education to get women like really comfortable with their bodies. I totally feel you. And I think that, like you said, starting young is important and to give them that confidence and then let them know that they are in charge at a young age because you can't be, you can't like all their lives not say anything to them and at 18 or whatever age it may be, be like, oh yeah, you're in charge of this. You didn't know that? Oh, okay. And that's not going to work. So what is going on with your program and what do you want us to know? So I think I started with that because what's going on with the program, it has a whole bunch of legs and arms. Mm -hmm. Um, We do education with young women and girls. Um, We just recently went into Central Juvenile Hall talking to young women uh, about reproductive health and about pregnancy. And there were actually pregnant girls were there. There Mm -hmm. were some pregnant young ladies in there already, and they're absolutely terrified. These girls have been on the streets. Some of them have 
you know, been sex trafficked. They've done drugs. Some of them have committed some horrible crimes on all different types of levels. And even with all of that, like street knowledge and like life experience, you know, be it traumatic or whatever, they don't know any, like pregnancy is what's scaring the hell out of them. Wow. Like nothing else scared them. They're like in tears so unsure about something that naturally happens in their body because there's been zero education. So that's like, we talk about all these other things and we can get into, you know, the statistics you hear about black women, their babies dying, but it starts <laughs> off right there. Yeah. Just the fear, the unknown, this, a thing that happens to you and, and you're not prepared. Right. For it. Is there something that you wish you knew about your body and your reproductive health when you were growing up that you know now? I think maybe, I guess that's like a good question because there's a few parts of that. Mm-hmm. I think one is like what we were talking about, just being comfortable with your body. Yeah. Knowing your body. If you have that, I think you already, you get this sense of like, I trust myself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I, I've had, you know, stories of my pregnancy and a whole bunch of difficulties and things because I went into a doctor and knew nothing about myself or my body. Right. So when they told me something, I took it at face value Yeah. and put myself in danger Right. without having knowledge. So I think that's the number one thing, like actually knowing my body, knowing how this works and just always knowing to trust myself, no matter, you know, leaning on expertise, but trusting myself. It's more like a sacred thing that I think we get away from. Like mm-hmm. we don't trust like the intuitiveness. Yeah. I um wonder, and I don't want to stump you or anything, but do you think that there's are there are cultural differences in between like the way black women and black girls know their body versus other groups, or do you think that's just like the knowledge, the lack of knowledge is just something that I I mean I can't speak for anybody else, but I would venture to say this is across the board. Okay, but it's more harmful to us right. because we are the ones who are our bodies are attacked from very young. Yeah, you know we're getting like expelled in school because like we're wearing a regular shirt. Maybe we're overdeveloped. Mm-hmm. You know by whoever standards is overdeveloped, but like we're attacked by our bodies from young. So it's more important for us to know and have knowledge of of ourselves and autonomy than anybody else. But I think girls across the board just don't have education on themselves or reproductive health or anything like that. So I wonder if, you know, there could be like a two prong approach to this, like going to the girls with us also going to their moms as well. Like, is there, are there programs like that? Absolutely. So, um, it, you bring up a good point. We probably should be targeting mothers who have like older children, but we definitely target mothers. Right. Um, They're usually newer mothers. Um, even though some of them do have, teenagers because this may be their second or third child yeah but we definitely do talk to parents yeah you know moms about themselves and in turn yes you need to educate your daughter when we talk about just um in our support groups which are a little bit more open format we just talk about communication period right and womanhood and womanness and and i think that helps for you to have those type of dialogues with your daughter right um so yeah and we just talk about parenting in general which i think helps make people more open to have conversations with their children. Yeah, because it seems uh, like women, I think throughout time, you know, having a period and certain things like that were sacred. You know, there would be like a bonding experience that happened. But then at a certain point, I don't know when, it became a stigma and it became hush, hush, don't say anything. Let's hide the pads and the tampons. Like, you know, don't show the men. And I think that experience and that has been lost on our culture. Mm-hmm. And that is also why we're suffering. And I just think it would be like important to bring mothers back into the conversation. Be like, hey, like, let's have like these bonding moments between you and your daughters. But yeah. so 
I think there's a generational shift happening now. Yeah. Because, like, young women our age, you know, you're, like, almost 10 years younger than me, but I, <laughs> so I'll say our age um, are, we're a little bit more free and in yeah. control. Mm-hmm. And people laugh. Cause, I mean, it's a little bit extreme, but, like, free bleeding and all that kind I of stuff. I know. That seems insane to some people. Right. But in a way, um, an extreme always kind of brings us all to a center. Right. So it kind of, to me, I think it's a good thing because when we push these boundaries, we let people know that we're not. Stick, we're not going to hide behind things that naturally happen. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous to put that type of pressure on us. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I see you like <laughs> struggling with the free bleeding. And I'm not yeah. saying let's all, free, but I'm just, you know, sometimes that like very. It just seems very messy. I, yeah. I, <laughs> I don't, I can't personally do it. I don't have it within me to just, you know, spread across yeah. the land. <sighs> But I mean, historically, I recognize why, why? And that, you know, there were like, you know, spiritual and ritualistic things, why you would do that. But, you know, you know, the point is <laughs> we're standing in our blood and our truth. Literally. Literally. <laughs> Wait, I have a question for you. How do you feel about menstrual cups? Oh, God. Who said we were going to be getting into this kind of stuff? So, Sorry. It's where the conversation's leading. I... I have tried. I tried to use a menstrual cup okay. once. Mm-hmm. I I aspire to have menstrual cups be what I use uh-huh. during my menstruation. Uh-huh. So that's what I want. That's my goal. That's okay. where I'm heading. Uh-huh. Um, right now I'm still using just like organic cotton, you know, type of tampons and things so like that. So, what was the problem with the menstrual cup? I don't think I got it right. <laughs> I had a little um, involuntary free bleeding (laughs) when I tried to use it, you know, it didn't quite work out. Um, And then one of my friends literally offered to help me like, girl, (laughs) I appreciate that, but I really, that's a friend. That's a true friend. that's like more along the lines where we talk about like people don't feel stigmatized. Like, girl, just go ahead, spread it wide. Just let me get. Let's help you do this. I'm like, I no, thank you. I'm a little bit more prudish. My friends are very, like, I kind of grew up where, like, we didn't really undress in front of people and that right. kind of thing. But my friends are like, not no, that way. if I need to help you, I will yeah, help you. Let's go ahead, bust down, Tatiana, you and work it out. To you get got what up. I got. Yeah. Let me just help you. That's right. true friends right yeah, there. Yeah, those are my friends. But, yeah, no, it didn't work. But it is my aspiration. It is here. And okay. I will be revisiting the menstrual cup. Okay, maybe that's a podcast episode. That's in the an, ep- an episode in itself. <laughs> and it's environmental friendly. There's just so many it's reasons so, yeah. why we should be using it. I mean, I don't want. I don't know because we need to talk to some of our environmental friends. They may have some to say. I know about some toxicity and stuff. That's not our lane. No, it's not. Let's save that for Marissa. Stick in my lane. Yeah, um, let's ask her. <laughs> and she's probably going to say no. Don't ever use those things again. And Marissa we're like, is our science EJ, our environmental justice nerd. I'd say guru. Cool. Let's so, stick yeah, with guru. Let's stick with that. <laughs> I actually gave my sisters um, menstrual cups for Christmas, and <laughs> I gave them other things, oh, but okay. it was just that's like... an interesting gift. So they all just looked at it. They're like, so what do you want us to do? I just like, guys, just like, be a part of this movement. Mm-hmm. No one used it, so... It's intimidating, even... you yeah. know, but again, see, it kind of all, you keep bringing us back to the point of like, when we just have knowledge, like if we're starting early, mm-hmm. you know, using, cause I'm, 
literally, I'm like almost into my forties. So introducing dun, dun, dun. This, <laughs> introducing this to me now is kind of like I'm set in my ways. I struggle just with the idea of it, you know. But if a girl sure. is just recently coming into having her menstrual cycle and we present her with all, all the, the options, options, she can work it out by the time you know in two three years. All so. the options and all the ibuprofen. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, or teas, or however we can work it out. Yeah, heating pads. Yes, I don't think this is where the conversation was supposed it wasn't, to go. But it's okay, but, yeah, because it's... when you think about it, like. Reproductive justice, maternal health, infant health, it sort of all leads back to the woman or, you know, we got all type of people who are giving babies now. So the birthing person, whoever it is, all this all leads back to like their body and their womb and like the care of it. Yes. And that's, that's our introduction to being of reproductive age. So you're right on talking about. You see, thank you. You know, I know how to guide a car. These are tips for you for next podcast. I hope you're writing this down, Raina. Oops, I think it's out of (laughs) here. Shady. Okay, whatever. You'll just listen back when you realize how to, you know, guide a conversation. Yes. Mm -hmm. And we always bring us back to what you started with, and that is planning our births. Right. As intricately as we plan our wedding. Absolutely. So the thing, when I had my babies or my first, when I was first pregnant, I thought I, I just became pregnant. I wasn't trying. And I thought that. You didn't just become pregnant right now. There was a process. I don't know if you know that. conception <laughs> is what happened with she me. She said, I just became I just pregnant. I became pregnant, woke up, you know, the baby Baby Jesus. <laughs> So, yeah, no, I thought I was planning because I was just like, okay, where do all the rich women go? Mm -hmm. This is where they go, you know, and I I was I had this like false sense of security and like going where other people went, not realizing that I will be othered when I go there. So it's like. That's like your planning needs to be full and through. It's not like I'm just going to go there because Beyonce or whoever, our big stars, whatever. I'm not that. Right. So if I'm not that woman, how do I know I'm going to get that same care? Exactly. So it has to be more extensive, more in depth. It can't be so shallow. You have to, I would recommend going through all options of right. birthing. I really do think that as we move, move forward, um, we do need to start thinking about other places outside of hospitals. Hospital is a great place, but I think we limit ourselves when we don't see that as the only option. Mm-hmm. And we talk to women who have home births and people tell them they're crazy or, you know, partners tell them what if something bad happens. And it's just like we we feel like we have to have a baby in a hospital, which to me automatically takes away sort of like your safety and your sanctuary is at home. Right. So why wouldn't we think that that's it's a, a good option? Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't necessarily even have to be home, but. The options of what we were talking about, you know, right. our tampons, th- pads, and cups. We need our doulas, midwives, hospitals, birthing centers, homes. Right. I think we really need to explore because the more we do that, and we also put pressure on the medical field. If they see that you're not the only game in town, like women are going back to having births. I mean, they didn't used to let us have our babies in the hospital. We were getting it done without a hospital. So it's not like we couldn't do it again. So I think that would also help to say, we're self-sufficient. We understand what we are doing. And it may even, you know, help more women get into the birthing field. Yeah. You know, and just, again, going back to the quote, it's just like we 
can go to have our wedding at a hotel or outdoors in mm-hmm. a backyard at a courthouse. Absolutely. Like, so we yes. have choices, we have options, you know, pick See, our color that quote scheme. quote is the gift that it keeps is. on giving. It's just really like it. all-encompassing. And it just, like, clicks, you know? It just makes so much sense. You're just like, okay, I'm going to spend, and it's just for a day that you're, you know, this wedding. Mm-hmm. But then you have this this experience, this child that's coming into this world. So why wouldn't you plan and take the time to do the research Truly. to, you know, look and into the doctors of and all the things. Yeah. So when we have our babies, we may think like, this is the great hospital that everybody says, right? This is a doctor that everybody says, but you don't stop there with your wedding. You literally say, I want this environment. Mm-hmm. I want these sounds and sights and these colors, these smells. Yes. Like you make yourself have this experience of a lifetime that you're going to feel comfortable in. Right. And we literally just throw all of that like uh, we we give all of that power to the hospital yeah when we don't and you can still do that in the hospital i mean when i finally got to my daughter i like set up the room sort of the way i wanted to everything didn't work out <laughs> i still had issues but i was going in that way now ex- said, i don't yes. have to wear your hospital gown. right i could wear a beautiful gown. Did you really? I, yeah, I wore my own gown that I felt comfortable in. Oh, I love that. Yeah, so um, I mean, just different things. I they had like their their pictures up, but I hung something up, yeah. and I had put my crystals up, and I did what I felt made me happy. I requested the music that I wanted to listen mm-hmm. to, and all of these. I mean, even from some women will say like they said my family's too big. I can only have like is that a law? Right. If I want five people in here for me to have my baby, and that makes me feel comfortable. One of y'all scoot onto the side right. and let these five people get in. Right, right, This right. is my one experience with this child. Yeah. So. so were you, how were they like receptive to your? So yes. And like I said, this is the third time. So three times a charm. I was just very adamant about everything from the beginning. It's like, I wasn't going to wait till the last minute. Right. When I first met my doctor, I was like, I want a vaginal birth and I want this and I want that. Don't try to schedule me a C-section. I wasn't combative, but I was like, I have this list. Mm-hmm. And I just simply asked her, can you honor this? Right. Like, if you feel like you can't, cool. Then let's move on. There's a whole bunch of other doctors, you know, a whole bunch of other wedding menus mm-hmm. for me or planners, you know, for me to do this with. And my doctor, she's a black woman, um, very popular. So I would be in her office. I camped out all day. But again, that's the price you pay for having a healthy baby and get what you need done. But she was like, yes, I can honor it. And in times where we had difficulties and she was like, I can't honor it. She, it wasn't that she wasn't honoring me. I think she was telling me where she was concerned for my safety. Uh-huh. Gave me everything that she thought. And then I still made the choices that I wanted to make at the end of the day. See, I love that, you know, growth, progress, and that it just shows that if you stand, you just have to know what you want, Mm -hmm. do your research, plan, and then you can have the sacred birth that you want. Doing your research with help and support from people who do this and know this. Because I'm, I'm like not advocating for people to just get on Google and go wild because that will lead you in rabbit holes and all kind of conspiracy theory and just like <laughs> uh, scare tactics and everything. But right. there's so many different um, resources and people like you could call us and we, you know, if you're here listening now, you know, at least you could call us and we could connect you to more people. So to do informed research, trusted research. Um, and, you know, now we have research led by black women in this field. So that's even more trusted research. So yes. folks giving getting ready to prepare them wombs, y'all are in a better place than we were, you know. You know, I was just telling Marissa, I'm ready for a baby, so I, you know. (laughs) 
I don't know if that's absolutely true, but you know, it's out there. But it's the time. It's the time. Exactly. Um, Yeah, just be prepared. Nobody says you have to have a baby. You know? So using this metaphor that we've been with. Driving into the ground. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm going to continue to do it. Ready? So I'm ordained, so I'm the officiant. What is my role in the pregnancy scheme of things? So what would I be? Um, we're talking about like who would deliver the baby. Yeah, but if I'm the officiant, right, in a wedding, so who am I in the delivery room or wherever? It all depends, and actually we're going to get deeper into that in another podcast. Uh We're not going to break down all the roles, but I will say that it all depends on what type of birth and what it is that you want. So that's definitely a part of your planning. Okay. You could have just like the traditional, you're giving birth, there's your OBGYN there, and then there's like either you know, a nurse practitioner or a midwife to assist the process. Mm-hmm. Or you could be doing a home birth. I know someone who did an unassisted home birth with her On husband. On purpose? Yeah, with her husband. That's a great and, woman. I mean, you know, she sort of did all her grounding and thoughts and research and figured, I'm healthy. I'm not at risk as far as I know. You know, she was going to, she did she a prenatal did, care and everything. She, yeah. she wasn't at risk and it was like, when I get to the hospital, they're simply going to tell me to push and I can tell myself to push. Right. And she did that. So basically she delivered her baby with her husband as like the midwife. Whoa. Um, there are people who do it at home with a doula or at home with a doula and a midwife in birthing centers, which you, again, it could be like with a midwife or with both. And there is a difference and we'll talk yeah, about that's that Yeah, I think too. that's important to know the difference between There is a difference, yeah. But so. we'll save that juiciness for the we'll next episode. We'll save that episode. juiciness for the next episode, but they're both qualified birthing people, mm-hmm. um, you know, who help assist with births um, in different ways. Mm-hmm. And for some doulas are often more of like a support role. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so doula could even just be like an advocate. And we'll have our good friend, um, Andrea Moselle, who is a doula, is going to help explain that more another time. But, yeah, you got options. You know, and I'm excited for all the options for my imaginary baby that's yes. going to be coming soon. Right? <laughs> Anyways, uh, (laughs) I think that's what we're going to wrap right now. Um, I'm bowing out gracefully. Raina is going to take the reins. (laughs) I get it. Uh, (laughs) La Reina Reina is going to sing like a song for me, like my induction. I feel like I need to like walk up a What kind of song? I could sing right now. What song do you want? Maybe she's your queen to be. What? Oh my God! Am I too young? I'm oh sorry, guys. Lord. Maybe not. I don't want to offend you and say maybe too not black enough. Oh, here we I, go. It's, That's not a. What is the? We're song? doing that again. What? It's the color purple. Oh no! I, I did. I said the color purple. <laughs> now you got me off, guys. Don't crucify me. It is from Coming to America. Oh, I know Coming to to Be. be. Oh. I do know Coming to America. And we actually, you know, that's another topic that we have to discuss when we're talking about romantic comedies. And yeah, but that's where sidebar, sidebar. Yes. Don't, don't. I do know Coming to America. I didn't know. I thought she was going to talk about Beyonce or something. So I. I don't know why I said the color purple. I see. Thinking of Seeley. I don't know. Why were you thinking? Anyways. Anyways. She's a beautiful person. The struggle. Maybe I was just going, leaning on her strength. I don't know. 
Bye, Raina. Okay. Maybe she won't take over. Well, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, thank you all. We'll talk soon. Raina and Andrea are going to be up next, I yes. believe. So, yeah, signing off. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast brought to you by Black Women for Wellness. Remember, you can find us online at www.bwwla.org, like our Black Women for Wellness Facebook page, and follow us on Twitter at BW4WLA and on Instagram at BWWLA.